1: Let's begin.
0: Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. It is Monday, May 9th, 2022. We say that because many of you listen on a downloaded basis. And we're thrilled to have you here, whether live or downloaded. Joining me here today is Jack Nunnery, of course, my co-host. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format. You can listen to anytime, anywhere. We got Josh Lear coming on who is Senior Director of Partnerships and Industry Technology at Total Expert, had a really interesting discussion. He's going to be bringing his thoughts about the challenges loan officers are facing right now and because of what's going on in this unusual loan officer recruitment and the impact that all the turnover is having on a lot of companies. So be sure to stay tuned for the Hot topic segment. A lot of great information from someone who has seen it from many, many angles. Also want to say thank you to the Industry Syndicate. They do a great job of promoting our podcast along with many others. Check out all the podcasts on industry com. Special thank you goes out to the Mortgage Bankers Association for all that they do for our industry. We also then say thank you to our sponsors, Mortgage Collaborative Lenders One. Both of these are... Co-ops is where you co-op together and work in a more intimate setting to share best practices amongst the lenders and also us vendors show up and we get a chance to connect with the mortgage banking community in a more intimate setting. So be checking out Mortgage Collaborative Lenders 1, but by all means, being sure that you're still members above all else, the MBA. Also, we have Finastra, which is their mortgage bot solution, does a great job of really helping you connect and create an experience that is seamless throughout all the processes. Really thrilled to have our longest standing sponsor we've had ever is Panastra with their FusionBot products. Also, Total Expert, again, the purpose-built CRM, customer engagement platform. You need to be paying attention to this one, folks. What Total Expert is doing in the way of automating, expanding this product, it is a leader already in the marketplace, but you're gonna hear more in today's podcast of why. And it's because Joe Weldo and what he does and who he draws into this company, it is some serious critical leadership that you're going to benefit from as we listen to the interview in the Hot topic segment. Also, Knowledge KnowledgeCoup, grateful to have them as a sponsor. Check out the Knowledge KnowledgeCoup, the new platform. It's been launched. We are now going to be sharing our podcast on the Coupe. It's another way you can listen to the podcast, as well as Mobility MMI and Modex. Both these platforms have an intelligence helping you select the right people that you want to recruit, that fit with your model. We're doing a lot of consulting in this area of recruiting right now, a lot of interest. And you're gonna be hearing about that again in the Hot Topics segment, but these two platforms will help you select the ones you want working for your company with the right product mix, with the right geographics, the right volume levels. Just so much information that both of these firms provide those of us in the mortgage industry. Also, SnapDocs, they have some amazing tools and they support you in your e-mortgage technology initiative. And I want to encourage you to check out SnapDocs e-mortgage's quick start program. We do so by going to our website as well as going to SnapDocs. Also, SuccessKit does a great job helping your clients create videos that are compelling, that talk about their experience with you And it's quick and easy and so effective. Also, Lender Toolkit. I'm thinking of Brent Brumley and Brent Imbler. These two characters are just dear friends of mine, and I just love what they do at Lender's Toolkit. Some of the most innovative things they're doing that fits like mortar in between all the bricks. You've got to check out all the various tools and technology that they've developed. Also form-free, Brent Chandler, great to have their partnership, as well as Simple Nexus. Lori Brewers sold her company into Simple Nexus, and some of the things that they're doing there is just so innovative. And then finally, I want to talk about DW Consulting. Debbie Weems does a great job at helping your team and your staff create really powerful, compelling LinkedIn profiles. It's so important that you tell your story about yourself and tell it well. That fits with the rest of your company. So check out what Debbie does with her product and with her consulting, D W consulting. So appreciate it. Also a special thank you goes out to Rob, Les, Alice, Allen, Matt, and of course my co host, Jack Nuttery. Let's get over to the MBA Mortgage Minute with a report this week from Rob Van Raphorse with the MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob <laughs>
2: I'm Rob Van Rafforst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, the federal banking agencies released a notice of proposed rulemaking on a modernization of the Community Reinvestment Act regulations. Of note for IMBs, during the FDIC board vote on the proposal, CFPB Director Rohit Chopra, who also sits on the FDIC board, said that CRA should be expanded to non-bank mortgage lenders. MBA President and CEO Bob Brooksmith stressed MBA's opposition to this during an interview about the rule last week in the Wall Street Journal. Bob Brooksmith said that the Community Reinvestment Act for Independent Mortgage Bankers is nonsensical and a solution in search of a problem. MBA will, of course, continue to oppose both federal and state efforts to expand CRA to non-banks. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me
0: good job Bob then reports anyway we missed a couple of reports from him and he's back so glad to have that boy that's a good reason why you should become a member of the MBA and also get your mortgage action alliance application app downloaded what bob just did by pushing back On the CRA component on IMBs, I mean, it's just ludicrous what they're looking at and trying to do. So, anyway, giving a good plug to the MBA and, of course, the Mortgage Action Alliance app. You do not have to be a member of the the MBA to get the Mortgage Action Alliance app and have your voice heard. Let's get over to Les Parker with this week's TM Spotlight and a macro view of the markets. Les. TM Spotlight
3: Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. Hey, don't write new loans off yet. It's only in their head they feel locked out. The bears reached 310 before the bulls reached 210. Last week, the U.S. Central Bank launched quantitative tightening. The silver lining to the dead pledge, a.k.a. mortgages, is that they outperformed treasuries since the Fed meeting. It's easier for the Fed to sell deep discounted treasuries than mortgages. Additionally, as the crowd expecting a recession in 2023 grows, look for volatility to continue uncomfortably high. It just takes some time, let alone you're in the middle of the ride. Powell says everything will be just fine. These things are my own. Find hope in the middle of the ride at tmspotlight.com. Yeah, that's a soundbite
0: that'll kind of tap your finger to the table a little bit. Some good music there, but also the message, very spot on. You'll be sure to sign up for Les Parker's newsletter. You can get the paid version by putting in the code POWER for a power seller. When you sign up, you get the paid version for free. A lot of leaders in the industry are reading Les's comments every single day. Really, really good, good critical thought going into that recommend that. TMSpotlight.com. Sign up for free or sign up for the paid version by putting in the word power. Matt Graham, good to have you here with us. Matt Graham is the founder and CEO of MBS Live with this week's market update, kind of what we have on the economic calendar. And as the stomach turns, Matt, good to have you
4: here. (laughs) No kidding. All of 2022, really, right? That's so true. So last week, Les touched on this stuff going on with the Fed. Obviously, the big focus was the Fed meeting on Wednesday afternoon and bonds approached that by consolidating at first but not before moving up to the highest yields in quite a while on monday morning and uh, the fed reaction or the market reaction to the fed was fairly interesting because not a whole lot happened right at two o'clock the fed did a really good job of delivering exactly what the market expected in terms of the rate hike and the balance sheet normalization plan it has to do with not tapering, but the next phase of bond buying reductions. And they put caps above which if reinvestments come in, they will continue to reinvest and continue preventing balance sheet runoff. So they said in the minutes early April that the cap would be $35 billion and it would be phased in over three months. That means that they have to receive more than $35 billion in proceeds on their bond yep. portfolio, MBS portfolio in order to reinvest anything back into the MBS market. And $35 billion basically means no reinvestments in the current environment. And it would mean that we'd just get a moderate amount of reinvestment when the market picks back up if rates fall. So they're setting it pretty high, and it's probably going to shut everything down in this environment. But it's high in order to avoid too much reinvestment going forward. And there we have it. No major surprise. They're going to start that on June 1st, and then they're going to take another two months. Uh, They'll get halfway there starting in June, and then they'll get the other halfway there in July. So the long end of the bond market took this a lot more poorly than the Mm -hmm. short end. This is one of the reasons that mortgages were able to outperform. And the other reason was that the Fed threw a little bit of a bone to the mortgage market and to the bond market in general by saying, yes, while we are going to be normalizing the balance sheet, there's a limit how long we're going to do that. And once the level of reserves is consistent with what we think is necessary, then we're going to stop rolling off reinvestments from the balance sheet. And so actually having that bullet point in the normalization principles, which is a document that the Fed releases concomitantly with the announcement and with this news of balance sheet normalization, is something more than we had last time. So it's actually spelled out that this won't last forever. And I think that the mortgage market particularly was relieved to see that because the mortgage market relies more on the Fed's largesse than uh, the Treasury market does. But beyond that, from a curve steepening standpoint, when shorter dated maturities are doing better than longer dated maturities, which was definitely the case after uh, Powell's press conference, it's a little bit better for mortgages because they're assumed to be much shorter in duration than 10 years right now. But the simple fact that as soon as rates drop half a point, everybody that got a mortgage in the past few months is going to refinance, like automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, all that to say that there was a varied reaction to the Fed depending on the security. Shorter dated securities did very well. That's because there was a specific comment in the press conference where Powell said they're not currently considering 75 bp hikes. And so that Fed rate hike outlook is going to have more of a bearing on shorter term debt, two-year yields especially, but it also means that five-year yields will do better than tens and tens will do better than thirties. And so since MBS are closer in duration to fives, that's one of the reasons they outperformed. But in a general momentum sense for the bond market, what we were left with was a very brief, decent reaction on Wednesday afternoon and then more selling pressure in the rest of the week selling in stocks, selling in the long end of the yield curve. And that's something that analysts and traders scrambled to come up with justifications for, but I really think the, the yield curve tells the story and it was just a factor of normalization being every bit as aggressive as they said it would be. And of the rate hike outlook being perhaps a little less onerous than some people foresaw. And so it was really uh, all about curve trading at that point and As far as the long end was concerned, everything fell within the trend that had been established long ago. Whether you want to look at that trend as starting in late 2020 or early March, in a steeper sense, things have been going up, up and away for yields. But thankfully, so far this morning, no major drama. In fact, we're coming back in the other direction And some of that may have to do with Asian markets coming back online, specifically Tokyo out on holiday virtually all week last week. Now back in the office, I'm not saying that's why we're rallying, but there's more liquidity and more activity in the bond market in the overnight session so far this week. But domestic traders have been the best buyers so far today and perhaps simply by way of getting back into the office, whereas Friday may have been a little bit of pre-weekend positioning. I wouldn't be surprised to see things get defensive at times in the next few days as traders gear up for the three, ten, thirty year bond auctions, also core CPI or just CPI with the core component being the most important on Wednesday morning. That's our big inflation reading and the Fed definitely Explicitly and implicitly said that they're data dependent right now. They have a really good idea of how much they're gonna hike. They have a really good idea that they're gonna stay the course on this normalization thing. And then they're gonna keep an eye on inflation data specifically in order to determine whether they're going to tighten further or ease up a bit eventually. So these inflation reports are tremendously important. CPI probably chief among those. And that will be Wednesday morning, 10-year auction Wednesday afternoon, and uh, a couple other inflation indications via producer prices on Thursday and then inflation expectations via consumer sentiment on Friday, all worth watching, starting most importantly with CPI on Wednesday, hoping that that data will help us solidify a ceiling. But again, it depends on the data. Data, data,
0: data. So important. Critical of what's out there.
4: And- uh a lot to be
0: taking into consideration. This week, the number one thing you think we should be keeping our eyes on? Yeah, the
4: CPI release, 8.30 a.m. Wednesday morning. That's the biggest I'm potential sure market everyone. mover for sure. i make sure everyone heard that loud and clear. Jack, any thoughts on today's update from
5: Matt? Yeah, I've got a couple, David. First of all, I had to chuckle when Les said that Powell mentioned that, don't worry, everything will be all right. kind of reminded me of the last time we were in QT and yep. Powell said, hmm, the program's on automatic pilot and shortly thereafter the S&P 500 tumbled almost 16% over 3 weeks in December of 2018 causing the Fed to blink and then they abandoned rate hikes in January of 2019 and Started phasing out of QT in March of 2019. So I just thought, no, okay, that kind of reminds me of something similar that Powell said that didn't turn out to be that way. So really, a question for Matt as I try to wrap my brain around the link of QT. Right? I mean, at least what I'm reading is is that we're looking at a shrink of about three trillion dollars, and at 95 billion dollars a month, Matt. I mean, my math tells me
4: QT right now is projected
5: to be approximately two and a half years?
4: It just depends on where they set the bar as far as where they want to level off. So they may well decide that the level of reserves they need is closer to $2 trillion by the time we're one year down the road, and then we might be pleasantly surprised by that when they mention that. But yeah, as long as the balance sheet is progressively shrinking by a decent clip, I don't think that they would mind if it took two years per se. I'm not sure there's a right or wrong time frame to accomplish that. All they know is that they need to be accomplishing it while they have the chance and that they probably waited too long to start anyway. So here we are.
5: So to Matt's comment about Wednesday's CPI, if the CPI prints at 6%, I think the markets will react favorably. Anything over 7%, I think that we could have a, a negative reaction to it. So, Matt, spot on with the 830 print of CPI on Wednesday, followed by Thursday's print of PPI. So, buckle up the seatbelts. The market right now seems to be wrapped around the axle. We've got a little hyper-anxiety going on, so... I think a lot of people anxiously await the CPI number on Wednesday. We shall see. It's
0: very astute that you made the comment you did. I'd love to get Matt's feedback on that. They say one thing and then they go, oops, uh, Marcus didn't react so well. What's your thoughts Remember those days, Matt?
4: Yeah, that's an interesting thing to consider because I think to some degree, they have to speak confidently and assumptively knowing full well that they'll have to walk things back in the future if the market forces their hand, but what I think, Is not necessarily as clear is the extent to which they care about stocks, and I hear this Mm -hmm. a lot. And I think they probably do care if it is filtering through to financial conditions, which is an oddly defined term for the Fed. I don't really pretend to understand what they mean by it, although they do have a little blurb on it if you Google it. But the stocks sort of play into that, and stocks also can play into a wealth effect that can affect economic growth as well, so at some level they're concerned. But first and foremost, they're concerned about inflation, and I think that they can tolerate a drop in stocks, and they were definitely tolerating it in 2018, at least to some extent, because the top in stocks occurred in October, uh, September 2018, and a lot of it was global growth concerns, and uh, then those concerns started to filter through to yields in the bond market. and. People were thinking, okay, it looks like this economic cycle is popping out and the Fed has kept rates too high for too long. It was, so whether it was stocks or not, there was broad economic mm-hmm. concern at a global level. And I think we'll see the same thing this time around if the economy does what some people expect it to do. Whether that's in response to Fed rate hikes and balance sheet normalization, tougher to say. I think the Fed policy moves, grease the skids for what the economy would want to do anyway. And now the, those skids are ungreased, making it harder to really turn the cogs of aggressive growth. So if we do have a, a slowing impulse in the economy, then this will add to that. But ultimately, the global economy is to slow down to uh, a point that inflation is actually slowing down for the Fed to remove its normalization plan to stop the normalization policy. So inflation first, but then growth, jobs, financial mm-hmm. stability.
5: Clearly,
4: inflation first, Matt. Yeah,
0: clearly. Yeah, there's so many aspects about this. I mean, a market drop is one thing. The bottom falling out—it felt like in that particular season, what Jack was referring to—could bring about yet another different reaction. So, a lot to be determined. Stay tuned. You got to have a service like what Matt provides. In fact, I don't think you need to have one like it. You need to have mbslive.net. Be sure to sign up. You can do so by going to mbslive.net and uh, go to the sign up, and you'll be asked for a code. You can put in LOL, and you'll receive an extended trial period. Without a credit required, you're going to want to put in a credit card because once you start looking at how good this service is, you'll definitely want to sign up. Matt, thanks so much for being here each and every week with some great information. Jack, thanks for your opining to it as well, both of you. Let's get over to Alice Alvey. She's here. Alice is CMB Vice President of Education Training at Union Home Mortgage. We're always thrilled to have Alice joining in with us. and She's got this week's legislative update. Alice, did you have a good Mother's Day?
6: I did. I had a wonderful Mother's Day. A Mother's Day weekend is what we do at our house, so that's pretty
0: cool. Mother's Day weekend. Okay, very cool. Well, it's good to have you here. Thanks for dialing in. I know you're traveling today, so um, so excited to have you here joining in. we always look forward to what you have for us.
6: Well, thank you. And I was enjoying the conversation about the market. So all I can think of as you guys keep going on about the unwinding and the quantitative tightening we now have to go through is at least it's happening. We went so long, it seems like we were waiting. We knew this time would come, but no one wanted to be president while this was going on. So it <laughs> kind of the can just kept getting pushed down the road. Uh-uh. <laughs> anyway, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Glad it's happening, even though it's painful, but I guess it's necessary and it'll be a balancing act. But for my part, Rob Van Raphorst mentioned on his piece, and it's in the MBA advocacy section of the MBA Link on Mondays. He talked a little bit about this joint notice of proposed rulemaking coming out by the agency. So we've got the OCC, Federal Reserve, and FDIC issuing this proposed notice. So it's just really kind of putting out ideas for comments and it's about 600 pages. So it's going to take a lot of time to digest it. And as he mentioned, the MBA is really against this for independent mortgage bankers. We as independent mortgage bankers are really against the idea of how would we possibly be able to be part of CRA and held to the same standards as a depository because we don't take the pod community. I think mm-hmm. what we have to watch for in this is the wording. So they're restructuring the CRA rule, and we're going to be watching closely if in the restructuring, they're trying to come up with a way for how to do the math for a non-depository institution. So I think that's where, even though they're saying it's not Part of this round to enforce that it would be a non-depository who would have to follow this. That's not part of this round. We're watching closely of are they trying to take steps closer to that so that mathematically it could be done. So more to to come on that, but we'll watch it closely for everybody. So far it looks like we'll be okay. Just another interesting bill that I saw got put forward in April is House Bill 7368, It's titled Transforming Student Debt to Home Equity. Now, a lot of these bills, I am just waiting to get to the fine print where it's going to cost somebody money, right? Somewhere in there is, and we need an appropriation for billions of dollars. But this didn't have that. Instead, it was about trying to set up a framework to have a special loan program created by FIFA that is geared towards home purchases in an urban area. So trying to revitalize housing in certain markets and giving those with student loans who are paying them on time. So I thought that was a great ad. This isn't for trying to get out of student loan debt or trying to forgive student loan debt. This was about if I'm paying it back on time and that's what's causing me in part to not qualify, could we come up with some more lenient underwriting requirements that would allow them to qualify and trying to encourage home ownership within some of the urban areas that could really benefit from more homeowners looking towards that area. So introduced 1% prognosis at this point from GovTracks, but really interesting idea. And as we're all looking for new products to expand markets, I like this idea. So Mm -hmm. it's a rep coming out of Ohio who put it out there. Nowhere yet, but I'm going to watch that one and see if we can get a new product out there to help our – folks with student loan debt get into loans more easily. And that's my report today, Dave. Good job,
0: Alice. Appreciate it very much. By the way, remind everyone who's listening to this, you can go back and listen to all of Alice's weekly uh, updates on this very important topic, legislative update segments, by going to our website, look on lending, and then move over to the podcast, you'll see the drop down menu, and you'll see all of Alice's, all of everyone's individual contributions each and every week. Very, very valuable. Alice, thank you so much. Appreciate you joining in, well, even though you're traveling on the road. And I'm glad to hear you had a great Mother's Day. Appreciate it very much. Let's move over to Alan Pollock, who's here with the tech update. Alan, you're back home. Do you have a good right. Mother's Day, friend?
1: I did. We treated my wife to a great day. And then, of course, all the moms in the family and out of the family, the ones that I know of, had a great day as well. How about you, David? Uh, all the moms yeah, and your wives yeah. be wealthy yesterday?
0: Nikki and I were talking just before we got on the went live here about us dads, when we get to a certain point, when the kids get to a certain age, we go look forward to being empty nested. But Nikki says, I'm not ready for that. Then I think that's so true of many moms. Moms are moms. They always want the kids around them and all being there. And we love our kids, but there is a time where we go... Okay, fly the coop. It's time to go. So anyway, you're not that safe. <laughs> You've right. got three beautiful daughters who are there very much at home. I'm sure your wife is enjoying every moment of it, but it is wow. one of those times. Best-
1: yeah, she's having a little bit of trouble because my oldest is about to head off to uh, in the fall University of Mississippi. Oh, so, right. um, you first know, one to go off. The first one to fly to Kansas. Yeah. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thankfully, they come home for the summers most of the time. Anyway, so that's good. What you got for a tech yeah. update,
1: David? Well, just listening, David, to what Matt, you, and Jack were talking about. For the layman, right, the person that doesn't understand all of these nitty-gritty details of the market that may be listening to our podcast, I'd love some opinion maybe next week, Matt, or even Jack on just what does it mean to someone that they never understood how the market movement works so much. So that would be helpful. But, David, i got to tell you something. Based on everything Matt said and based on the opinion of a home buyer, they are freaking out right? Mm -hmm. Um, They're not sure where rates are. They're not sure if they're talking to the right mortgage person. They're not sure if they should look at their bank. There are technology solutions that are helping originators help borrowers be smarter, right? We're looking at the TikTok generation. That's what they call them now. The folks who saw their parents struggle with high rates thought everything was great. They have a ton of side hustles, right? They got cash And here they are, and rates are moving, and they don't know how fast or how quick or what's going on. They all want to buy Airbnbs, right? So technology, communication, drip campaigns, physical phone calls, face-to-face, now is a time as an originator to truly educate the home buyer. I've said this a few times, David, technology is great, right? We love what we do. We're going to continue to innovate but there's nothing like a person-to-person conversation to help someone understand what you really have as options and what to do. So with that, let's talk about user interface. This is kind of like a funny joke, David, where a better user interface could be. And if you think back, I don't know how many podcasts ago, I talked about how there is a hand sanitizing machine that has a very attractive person at the top of the hand sanitizing machine with a finger pointing down, and everyone puts their hand to get automatic hand sanitizer where the finger's pointing, but that's not where the nozzle is to get the sanitizer, right? Bad user (laughs) interface. So let's make sure we're doing the right thing. Anyways, who has the worst user interface? Elevators.
3: Mm
1: Elevators. How many times have you gone into an elevator and you cannot unclick the button you already pushed, or you don't have the ability to figure out what floor you're on or what's going on, right? Elevators could use an update. So, We're not like elevators, but we can use some innovation. With that, David, let's talk about collaboration, right? We do not see a lot of technology around co-sharing, co-browsing. That's something that Zoom is focused on. They just released an entire update at Zoom. They're taking a play, by the way, at Slack. They're taking a play at Microsoft. It's basically called Zoom United. It has not only an updated whiteboard, but an easy click button to get to a whiteboard screen. You can draw on any shared thing you're doing, but now they have omni-channel access, meaning across devices, you have the ability to one-click move between those devices. You don't have to re log to the meeting from somewhere else. But in addition to that,
3: you can actually go across
1: all platforms. And the best part about the Zoom United is they have a full chat interface now. I don't know if people are going to start jumping off Slack and Microsoft and Microsoft teams and all these other platforms, but consider something like that as you collaborate with your vendors, as you look to provide training demonstrations, a trend I'm seeing David on the technology side is people are recording video demos of the things that they're doing. And they're using zoom to do that. So think about you have Mm -hmm. your face, you share the screen, you can draw and illustrate, use a highlighter on the screen. You can save that in segments. That's right. And you can use them as your training videos for your originators, for your operational staff and also externally. But let's get on to better news. Moving ahead, Rocket Pro TPO, with their new technology, they're saying that on the TPO side, purchase loans will be clear to close in 15 days. Or, get this, or your client, meaning the borrower, will get $2,500 in the pocket. So that's an aggressive push, right? That's aggressive saying that, hey, the technology's saving enough money that we're going to guarantee this. If not, we're going to put money where our mouth is. But more importantly... As a broker or a third-party originator, 15 days clear to close is huge. Is this true or not? I don't know, but it's in the news, and I thought I'd share it because it's really cool. In addition to that, David, in seven days, you ready? Loan Depot Mello, which we haven't heard a lot of news out of in the recent while. They are saying that they now have a digital first, so their new technology platform that they've continued to innovate on, a digital first home equity line of credit and you can get access to funds in as little as seven days. So two big technology plays, both speaking to the market, right? Think about that as you work on your technology. Also, David, on the real estate side, SoFi and Home Story, okay? They've partnered together, and we all know SoFi. They're one of the largest fintech lenders out there. They've partnered to deliver what they call SoFi Real Estate Center. It's brand new, and it's a complete home buying and selling experience, right? And you hear on the radio and TV all the time that if you work with this company, their technology will help you sell your home faster. They, some say you don't have to put out on the market, et cetera, et cetera, right? They're not saying that, but they're saying they can save you money. But what they can do is they help you through the entire home buying and home selling experience. And if you look at who we're targeting right now in this industry, that's SoFi's customer. So really good it's, move on their part. The yeah. big news, David, which you're probably waiting for me to mention is... The Intercontinental Exchange, (ITE) they have entered into a definitive agreement to acquire Black Knight Financial, both public companies. The transaction, which is going to be cash and stock, will value Black Knight at $85 a share with a market value of, I bet you can't guess this number, $13.1 billion. Black Knight has about 6,500 employees. They're in Jacksonville, Florida, my backyard. I know tons of people that work there. So many cool things about this transaction, and probably some people can think negative things. Even myself, being an LOS vendor and a technology provider, I even like this transaction. Lots of great details, but I'll tell you what: the cash consideration is 10.5 billion, and expects mm. to be funded with newly issued debt and cash on hand. Doc consideration is valued at 2.6 billion. So there's your 13.1, yep. based on ICE 10-day VWAP as of May 2nd on $118. So lots of other amazing details, but I'll tell you, enterprise value is $16 billion, fully synergized, 2022 wow. Black Knight adjusted EBITDA. So lots of real cool lots. things going on there. So, so let me ask weeks. you a question. There's
0: so many places we can go. I know. And it's such a big story that I'm thinking really about focusing a whole podcast on it here real soon so i want to talk about that and then also i want to talk to you eventually about conversational ai another podcast i want to get going on because i see some things developing but is it fair to assume that they're going to go out and raise debt has cost to them that the fees to use whichever one of the systems you either these combined entities have and any new systems they're going to create it's only going to get more expensive costs are not going to go down as a result of this is that fair to assume
1: so i'll give you a partially biased opinion, right? And I'll give you a word on the street. Word on the street is that it's a difficult opinion. Both platforms are expensive. Both are enterprise valued platforms. But the biased opinion that I have, David, is that it costs more to be on these platforms because they're big, they're enterprise and they're heavy, meaning that you need a lot of configuration. You need full-time employees to manage them in some cases, not all and cost of vendors goes up because it costs for vendors to be integrated and be part of those platforms. So it doesn't mean no other platforms similar. What it means is that the opinion that I have is that these are expensive platforms, and so you need to be aligned with your technology plan if you're going to be on these platforms and be successful compared to being in a situation where it's managed for you. And that's the differentiator, right? Mm-hmm. How much skin in the game do you have? to want to own your process and maintain and support it versus you want to sit back and focus on doing deals, right? That's the big difference. But there's a lot there to unravel. That's a very good opinion and a very quick point.
0: No, it's a very good point. Very good stuff. Appreciate you so much. Absolutely. And I would like to talk to you as soon as possible about some upcoming podcasts around some of the themes we just talked about. This is going to have many implications, this major merger of two Titan giants coming together. It's going to have a lot of ramifications. I want to dive into that as much of your thoughts on that as possible. So start thinking about it, Alan. we got to do that real soon. Thanks so much Absolutely. for being here. Appreciate your involvement each and every week. Anyone wanted to email questions, Alan, do so. Alan, A-L-L-E-N, at TMS-advisors.com. Appreciate you, Alan. Have a great rest of your day. Likewise. That wraps up this weekly mortgage update. We're going to be diving into some developments on the conversational AI. I'll explain why when we get into it, but hoping to do that. As things developing, I see the need to bring back to our listening audience some really interesting technology that's out there, specifically – Conversational AI. Talking more about it hopefully next week. Good to have you with us. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, Lenders One, Mobility MMI, Modex, The MBA, Knowledge Coupe, Mortgage Collaborative, Snapdoc, Success Kit, Lender Toolkit, Total Expert for Free and Simple Nexus. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you back here next week. <music>